welcome to another episode of the Pirate Monk Podcast. Yes, for those of you, are you who uh, despaired of ever hearing us again? Despair no more. Sigh no more. <laughs> we are back because Aaron has returned. I, I don't know. You told me you were going to California, but apparently you went to the freaking moon. According to most Tennesseans. <laughs> Basically, just aliens living in California. I thought we would still be able to do the podcast because certainly in California, you'd have high-speed internet. There'd be no problem at all. Well, I did too, except uh, my, well, long story short, ended up with the non-high-speed version of a hotspot on a phone, which was 600 kilobytes per second. Oh, that's practically dial-up, man. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, that didn't didn't work so well. It's actually been such a pleasure being back, having real internet doing work. <laughs> I mean, to, de- to download photo files and things that I needed, I would have to drive into the little town that was next to me and go to their coffee shop, download everything, then go back to where I was staying. All right. So, well, yes. That's, tell that's, me that's it was at least hot where you were, because we've lived through an oven here in August. Yeah, I'll tell you, the last five years, uh, Central Coast... Uh, San Luis Obispo County has been so hot each summer, like 105, 110 sometimes. Eesh. And so I was walking into it like, okay, this place I'm staying better have air conditioning. Yeah, there's a little wall air conditioner. And then I got there. I just, I think I used it three days out of those five weeks because it was like 75 to 85. You bastard. It was just so pleasant. No. It was like the summer of my youth. God, it's like Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, I, I forgot how much I like to dry air. Oh, that's such a beautiful oh, thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. I made a brief visit to Colorado a couple of weeks ago. I was only there for three days. But to be in the land of low humidity was wonderful. It, driving back, we took the longer the longer route. The shorter route to Murfreesboro is through. So you drove to California. Let's make this clear to the right. listeners. Did we not talk about this on the last one when I was there? We did do one episode while I was there. Did we? Okay. Well, I don't yes, know. I'm I, an old man. I, I forgot. I drove to save money on plane tickets. Okay. Um, but on the way there, we go through Arkansas, Oklahoma, New Mexico, uh, Texas, New Mexico, Arizona. It's just ugly yeah, for so much of the sure. ride. Yeah. So on the way back, we thought, okay, let's take a little more time. It's only like four or five more hours to go through Nevada, Utah, Colorado, Kansas, Missouri, Kentucky, and Tennessee. Okay. So you come out of the top. And so we, we decided we wanted to stop in Colorado. And it was a road kind of through the middle I had never been. Maybe the 70? Does that sound right? It sounds right. And as we were driving by on a cliff, uh, Caleb looked out the window, my almost 17-year-old, mm-hmm. and said, Look at that town down there. We have to stop there. Any of you Enneagram people uh, will understand <laughs> that he's an, he's a seven. Okay. There's something to stop at. Let's stop. Right. And we had planned on stopping in Denver, which was maybe an hour away. And I yeah. thought, this will be easier to park in whatever that is down there yeah. in Denver. So we pulled into this place called Georgetown. Okay. It was called Georgetown. All right. If I think otherwise during our time, I'll let you know. But as we pulled in, we went, this looks exactly like Grandma's little Christmas village that she puts up every winter. 
Like, it was the most hallmark-looking town ever. Really? Amazing. Really? Walking around. And then we start seeing signs. Do you remember in the 80s when John Denver made that Christmas movie? Uh-huh. This is the town. That uh, that was. So uh. the whole thing is just left as, like, <laughs> this is the hallmark Christmas movie deal. Yeah. So it was beautiful. I got a little Colorado beauty as well. Oh, nice. And... My 17-year-old immediately decided he needed to relocate to there. That's where he wants to live. Didn't want to say. Didn't look like there was a whole lot to do around there except go, man, this looks like Grandma's Christmas Village. (laughs) But I'm sure there is. (laughs) So uh, tell me what it was like uh, in California for you. In which ways? Um, you, You are a very, very social person. Hmm. Um, and, and I, this was strange cause I wasn't talking to you on the phone. I'm not running into people who just talked to Aaron. Um, yeah, I, I was very, uh, you say I'm a social person and part of that was by vocation. Okay. I, I think I enjoy people. Mm-hmm. I enjoy watching people. Oh, so you're um, a voyeur. <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess. Okay. <laughs> Never thought of that as being my thing, but I won't say no until I've tried it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, that could be applied to me as well with some of my behavior. So yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, even at concerts and things, I don't like to be in the middle jumping around. Oh, right. Exactly. I like to sit at the back and like yeah. take it all in. Uh-huh. And make snarky comments about people. Sometimes if, they, if they're stupid or it yeah. sucks, then yes, snark, yes. snark okay. will admit. Um but I also just like being alone. Mm-hmm. And so during this time, other than picking up my kids to take them from some house they were at to a camp they were going to, I was mostly just alone. Okay. And by the end of that time, people got wind that I was in town and there was a lot more social activity. And I think it's, it's interesting. Um, there's a difference between being alone and being in isolation. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think I felt both of those. Yes. So I felt some amazing soul refreshment times of just feeling like there was nothing pressing in. You had some healthy solitude, which we all need. There you go. Okay. Uh, And then there were other times where the isolation was, you know, there's just too much going on in my head that Mm -hmm. cannot be processed in a helpful way when I'm alone. Yeah. And that's when I was calling a a few folks, kind of working out some thoughts. Uh It is amazing how small things can start to feel dire. Uh, I've been been studying daydreaming and fantasy lately. Really? Uh, I've I've daydreamed about studying about daydreaming. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't actually studied Uh, it. So talking about fantasy, I don't just mean like sexual fantasy. I mean just fantasy. Sure. And... Looking at the spectrum of healthy to unhealthy. Mm -hmm. And what I'm finding is the healthier fantasy or daydreaming, we're aware we're doing it. It's much more like planning. Yeah. um, Visualization. Yeah. It's called by some people. So Mm -hmm. it's if you're a baseball player, you increase 10% by just picturing yourself at the plate, ball coming in. Right. Yeah. But it's got to be like a first person thing to help you right uh but the more unhealthy fantasy is the stuff that starts to go unnoticed Mm -hmm. in our minds yeah and the rumination 
Yes. Where it just is a cyclical thought. And I, I was looking into that because of kind of trying to walk with some people who are a bit out of control in that area. Mm -hmm. And I feel like I am prone to that. I spent a lot of time growing up just walking in the river by myself with my dog, listening to Morrissey or Depeche Mode, which isn't <laughs> helpful if you want to be a <laughs> cheerful person. <laughs> Morrissey's not your friend. Right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so my fantasy world was vivid. Yeah. And uh, I think there are still times that I that's what I start to struggle with when I'm alone is mm -hmm. I'll just start going over stuff yeah, and start to feel realities for things that aren't even real or haven't actually happened. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, really. Wow, there it is, Aaron. So it is, it is great to be back uh, five, five weeks above a barn in the middle <laughs> of a horse pasture. Was, was about enough. It was good. Okay. Well, I'm glad you're back. Hey, and by the way, we are bringing back, we're going to make a regular part of the show again, uh, something that we used to do a lot back in the day when we'd have four guys in the studio. Mm -hmm. The mini-meeting. The mini-meeting. Yeah. Yeah. And now that we've got a really deep bench of available guys who, who now can connect virtually because we got a growing number of guys in virtual meetings. All I did was I, I put out on Slack uh, a week or so ago, hey, who would like to, uh, yeah, I invited a few guys through Slack. And so uh, immediately four guys graciously volunteered to step in and have a mini meeting and share that with our listeners. Isn't that a fantastic idea? It's fantastic. And you have ordered some, oh, some special treat. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it's not going to be in here for this show. Wait for the next show. We're going to have a, an actually a professionally made, from Friends of Samson, a bumper that will introduce the mini-meeting every week. I can't wait. <laughs> Just the fact that you asked the the man right. who participated in the Super Samson video yeah. when the Samson Society first started, yeah. which... That video seems to have disappeared. Yeah, I don't know where no, my no, copies no. went. No, I no. don't know if anybody should ever it, get to watch that. It's absolutely legendary, yeah. <laughs> but that'll be fun. Can you can you talk a little bit about Slack for people like me that avoid that kind of technology? Because I I don't want to be bombarded. Yeah, right, right. But what is it? I heard guys in Scotland talking about it. Right. Some guys have found it useful, important. I don't know what it is. Yeah, but I'm probably not the best guy to to uh, explain it because I'm a Neanderthal myself. I just discovered last week how to actually invite other people onto Slack. How long have you had it? I've had I've, I, it. Somehow got onto my computer three or four months ago. But the cool thing about it, it's kind of like this multi-channel, ongoing chat program. So there are different com threads, different conversations that get set up. Okay. Um, and you can so you can step into the Samson community, the virtual community Which on might Slack. Be a big thread with lots of people. Yeah, so there's one. There's a fun one called "Talk Like a Pirate." That thread, and oh, it's just oh dear. just nonsense, right? <laughs> okay. And there's there's one where you can share photos, which is just nonsense. There's one where you can have uh, uh, prayer prayer requests and concerns. Uh, there's one where you can ask questions about the 12 steps there. Oh, a very helpful thing, since we're still got some crazy glitches on the website for people having a hard time finding 
when their virtual meeting actually starts. Is that because of different time zone yeah, issues? Yeah, right. Uh, still right now. We're, hopefully we're going to get it for, fixed this week, but meetings are listed in the time zone of the host. And now that we have a host in Shanghai and we have a host in, uh, you know, in the Netherlands and, you know, it's strange. It, you have to do a lot of math to figure out when the damn meeting starts. But we're going to get that fixed. But on Slack, there's a daily listing of the meetings in your own time zone. Okay. Which is very helpful. So anyway, um, if you have not, by the way, listener, if you are a guy and have not yet uh, visited a virtual Samson meeting, give it a shot. And when you're in the meeting, uh, if you're not yet a member of the website, you will have to go to a newcomer meeting first. It's kind of a two-way interview. We've got to see you. You've got to see us. We got to confirm that you're a real guy with, with good intentions. Uh, once you're approved after a, a newcomer meeting, you can then join any number of virtual meetings that you want to join. Once you're in a virtual group, you can use the app, if you like, to communicate with anybody else who's in that group. But uh, Slack has turned out to be a great way for virtual guys to continue their fellowship throughout the day and throughout the week. Uh, it's a wonderful substitute for the meeting after the meeting. So if you get to a virtual group, ask the host, hey, can you get me, uh, send me the link to sign up for Slack, and I'm sure he will, he will do it. Okay, so they just need to download the app and then get sent that link, and they'll be off and running. Yeah. Slack, it made me think of Slack lining. Do people Slack line here in Tennessee? I don't know. Is it legal? Do you, do you know what slacklining is? No. It's like tightrope walking, except it's kind of a, a thicker okay. rope. And you're and it's not tight? It's not. It's slack, and people do like yoga on it. And I mean, it seems very California. I did the first time I saw it, I thought, wow, this is how advanced we are as a species. Tightrope walking used to be all the rage back in the 1800s. <laughs> And in 150 years, the only technological advancement we've made is loosen the rope. <laughs> so anyways, I, so slack has nothing to do with slack lining. Okay, no. Okay, uh, just it came to mind, and I pictured hippies doing yoga okay. on a hose. All right, I, I, that may be, I don't know. <laughs> hey, stick with us. We're going to be back with a virtual uh, a mini-meeting. We're going to be back with a mini-meeting mini in just a second here. On the no, on the Pirate Monk podcast. Oh. Back when Charlie was a boy, somebody handed a secret down with a long list of unwritten rules. So he died before he let it out He carried it like a silver dollar In the pocket of his heart He cried out for some room to breathe But his pride just kept it in the dark
roots kept digging deeper till they wrapped their wretched arms around his soul. This meeting of the Sampson Society. We are a company of Christian men. We are also natural owners who recognize the dangers of isolation and are determined to escape them. Natural wanderers who are finding spiritual peace and prosperity at home. Natural liars who are now finding freedom in the truth. Natural judges who are learning how to judge ourselves aright. Natural strong men who are experiencing God's strength as we admit our weakness. As Christians, we meet at other times for worship, for teaching, and for corporate prayer. Today, however, we meet to talk. Our purpose is to assist one another in our common journey. We do so by sharing honestly, out of our own personal experience, the challenges and encouragements of daily Christian living in a fallen world. Our faith rests in the love of God, and it is revealed in His Word, as it is revealed in His Word, and in the life of His Son. This is the great fact of the Gospel which is the foundation of our charter. We have now reached the sharing portion of our meeting. In sharing, we speak honestly out of our own experience. We tell the truth about ourselves, 
knowing that our brothers will listen to us in love and will hold whatever we say in strict confidence. confidence. We try to keep our comments brief, taking care to leave plenty of time for others. We address our statements to the group as a whole and avoid directing them toward any one person. As a rule, we refrain from giving advice to others or instructing them during the meeting, believing that such conversations are best reserved for private moments between friends. Today's topic for this discussion is openness. I'm Lonnie. Hey, Lonnie. Hey, Lonnie. Hey, Lonnie. Um, openness. That is really uh, an awesome topic. I uh, I have spent my adult life uh, being everything but open. Uh, and I have expended an awful lot of energy being secretive and high. Uh, and it's exhausting. Uh, always uh, looking over your shoulder, uh, always thinking, hey, uh, it's the day, the day I get busted. And uh, when I first uh, became uh, involved in Samson, I didn't come to Samson because I got caught. Uh, I, I, I honestly uh, woke up one morning uh, just basically sick of my life. And as God would have it, he would, he would introduce me to within the, within just a few hours that morning, uh, literally led me to Samson and, uh, a very interesting white chair story. And, uh, that really began a new, uh, a new level of openness for me that I'd never experienced before. I remember very clearly I'd set up a newcomers meeting for Samson uh, and uh, that was going to be on a Sunday morning. And so Sunday morning, I got up and I went to my wife and said, uh, by the way, I'm, I'm not going to church with y'all today. I've got a different meeting I'm going to. And of course, I was just waiting for them to leave the house so I could actually not leave, but just log into a, to a meeting. And uh, we had a flood here and our church was canceled and nobody was going anywhere. So I scurried away from home, but that started a path of openness with my wife uh, that God literally uh, held my feet to the fire for several weeks. Uh, I would go to, I started out as, with uh, in-person meetings. Uh, for, for several weeks, I was going to in-person meetings and God would speak to my heart about something and I would go home and I started this ritual at home. Uh, my wife's got a computer desk and she sits there an awful lot and I would go grab a folding black chair and I would open it up and sit down beside her. And I said, you got time to talk. And after really a couple of times of that, she would begin to take a deep breath. Oh no, what's he about to tell me now? Uh, but it was very, uh, uh, very big deal in my recovery and everything that God was pressing on me to be open about wasn't necessarily about, you know, my sexual improprieties. There was financial issues in our home. There was all kinds of issues and I'd have to open up that chair and say, Hey, I need to tell you something. Um, my wife did not believe anything that I was saying for the first month of my recovery. 
she literally would lean back in her chair and fold her arms and say, we'll see. And, um, but as I began to practice openness with her, um, I began to get in return some trust back. And, um, uh, and now, uh, this has never happened before. We, we talked a couple of days ago and she said, you know, you've been doing this for, you've been doing this for seven months. I'm like, wow, I've only been doing it for five. And she thinks it's seven. That's great. <laughs> she usually always the other way around, but openness. Um, that's, that's my story of openness at home. Uh, but there's another aspect to, to openness that I've learned in Samson. And uh, the question come up uh, on a meeting I was on this week, why has Samson been so effective? And I believe that Samson, what I found there was a place that uh, I finally found an empathetic witness to my story. And I can go there and I can say any and everything that's on my mind and not be judged. Mm -hmm. uh, and it perpetuated, it, it facilitated, uh, it nurtured openness. So now when I can't handle things at home, I need a place like this where I can just come to spew it, just say it all. And uh, man, it's liberating. I, I, one other little story here. I, when I first got involved in Samson, I didn't have these meetings. And I, uh, I was kind of bugging Nate a little bit. Nate was my first, uh, my first contact with Samson. And it was 11 o'clock one night and I was about to blow up inside. And I sent him the email that night. I don't know if Nate remembers that or not, but I just, man, I just had to let it all go. And I, I hit send on that email. And in about 15 minutes, he said, he just sent me back a little quick thing and said, uh, he responded to what I said. And I went to sleep just like that because all of a sudden I had gotten it out. I had an empathetic ear to what, where I was at at the time. So that's been huge with Samson to have that. And uh, I think it's crucial in that part of us that wants to know and to be known. Um, so that's my story. Uh, thanks, I'm Lonnie. Thanks, Lonnie. Thanks, Lonnie. Hey guys, I'm Ben. Hey, Ben. Hey, Ben. ben. Yeah, openness. It's funny talking about openness as we're on a taped uh, recording of a meeting and I'm looking at not only myself, but just this group of guys here. And it's like, you know, we're willing to put our story out, not in a closed door, but really out there for everybody to listen to. So it's like kudos to all you guys for showing up and be willing to do this. And I, I mean, if I look back at myself and I fast forward to now, it's like, man, I, me on a live podcast talking about openness, like, dude, you give me a break. Like, no way. Um, and that's what, you know, I really was in the mindset getting into, getting into recovery, um, that I was going to do this without having to be open to anybody else besides God and anybody else besides really my wife. Cause it's like, well, those are the only two people like, you know, that really matter. And you know, why do I have to go talk to a bunch of freaks in a basement? I think Nate, you really put that well in, in his book, just about, you know, feeling so out of place. And I remember the first SA meeting I went to, I was just sitting there listening to these guys and, and they all sounded like me and they all looked a little different than me, but they all had really similar stories and they were all talking with so such ease and comfort. Like they were just all laughing and, but they were talking about such deep stuff. And I'm like, wow, guys do this. Like, 
men talk like this? I had never, ever heard anything like that before in my life. And then, you know, as a new guy, you're not pressured to talk, but it's kind of like everybody's kind of looking at me towards the end of the meeting, like, is this new guy going to talk? And I remember being like, oh, okay, I got this, no sweat. And it was as if I had a boa constrictor around my throat. Like there was just a part of me still grasping for control. Like, no, Ben, you can't trust these people. You can't do this here now in this way. This is not the way we're going to heal. And I just, I was crying and I was like, just, I could barely get a word out. But slowly over weeks of meetings, I was able to talk without trembling shaking quite so much. I still remember shaking after sharing and just my nervous system was just fighting me so bad every time. And it's like, you can just see the bodily reaction to openness. Like it, it's just, I have parts of me saying, no, Ben, the shame is real. No, Ben, being vulnerable to people is not, is not the way to healing. You know, whatever Bene Brown said, that doesn't make any sense. Like that's, that's lunacy. Um, but man, it's like, it's just amazing not only hearing men being open, but then being open in return and being really vulnerable. I mean, like that's, it's the, it's the path through shame. Like it's really is the only way through it is, is just to talk and to be open. And it's something that I never grew up with. Like I never had that level of honesty in my life to talk about emotions. My life was void about sex talks. My, you know, so porn was my education to, to sex. And, and it just, it was so different than what I was used to. And that's, that's why I, I, I need these meetings because I need that constant reminder. Cause even after a couple of weeks, not coming to meetings, there's a part of me that's like, yeah, you don't need this anymore. Remember those years when you didn't have that, like you're good now. Like, and I start to regress, like that neural wiring starts to kind of regrow like a tree back in the old directions. And I got to keep, you know, trimming, trimming the uh, branches back. So anyway, thanks guys. I'm Ben. Thanks Ben. Thanks, Ben. Hey, guys, I'm John. Hey, John. Hey, John. So openness, boy, that is, um, that's a, uh, that, that's a big word in my life. I, um, for many, many years, uh, like, I guess you guys here, I was not open. Uh, I was open about some things, but the most important things, the matters of the heart, I was not open about. And for most of those years, all those years, and actually two or three years into my recovery, I thought that the reason that I couldn't be open was I was too ashamed. And I was ashamed. I was ashamed of what I was doing. And I, I, so I couldn't be open about it, or so I thought. And, but um, what, I, what I learned over the process of my recovery, that it wasn't shame that was keeping me from being open. It was pride. And uh, my pride uh, uh, was what was stopping me and, uh, and, 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 uh, nearly destroyed me. And, um, so that, that's another big thing. That, that's a one big thing is, is addressing the pride in my life that was stopping me from being honest and open with, with, uh, uh, people, number one with my wife, but the other part, the other two words that come to mind with, uh, with, uh, uh openness is, uh, first one is vulnerability and the second one is wisdom. And it takes an enormous amount of vulnerability to be open with people. And this is a very difficult topic, the one I'm about to mention. Because I still don't, I don't know how to count. I don't know how to, I don't know how to address it in my own life still, much less other men, uh, at least not completely. And that is, uh, if you're going to be open, let's say with your spouse or someone that you've wronged, we're trying to make amends. How do we do that? How do we be open? And to what degree can we be open? My experience was with my, uh, my then wife. 
um, I was open about everything. And within the first week of, of um, her finding out what was going on, and it was it was a lot. It was a lot that was going on in my life. Uh, both both the number of incidents and the extent and nature of it was was a lot. And she couldn't handle it. It was it was more than she could process. And um, and I don't think she ever got over it. And um, I'm not going to blame that for our divorce because there's a lot of factors there. And maybe, gosh, it's just recorded, doesn't it, Ben? And uh, so um, uh, anyway, it's I, I needed more wisdom during those first weeks of recovery than what I had on how to be open. And um, so that's part of it. But the vulnerability part is beautiful. To be able to like sit here with you guys and and talk about these topics, to be able to sit in the local Samson meetings here and talk, and even outside of Samson meetings, to be able to talk with people, share with people. And I, I guess there's still a degree. I mean, maybe there's times I'm ashamed of my story, but there's also a beautiful amount of redemption in these stories that we share. Not not just me sharing with you or you sharing with me, but that we this common brotherhood that we have, this shared burden that we carry, this openness that we get to experience with each other, there's a beauty and a redemption in that that I I don't I could never have experienced outside of of what happened and the openness and vulnerability that I've been able to experience through this. And I wish I could have taken a pill to experience this, but uh, it, it took what happened and it took the uh, the vulnerability and uh, sharing and being open to, to experience it. Thank you. I'm John. Thanks, Thanks John. John. Hey guys, I'm Mike. Hey Mike. Hey. So hey, Mike. yeah, Ben, kind of like you, I uh, grew up in a family that was very quiet, very conservative, very reserved. We never talked about much of that stuff at all. Never talked about feelings. Never, never were open about hardly anything. And um, so, you know, for most of my life, that was kind of the, the model that I grew up in. And I, of course, having, you know, addictive behavior leads you to secrecy and leads you to, you know, hiding and always making sure you covered your tracks and did I, you know, delete the cookies and, you know, clear the cache and, you know, all that stuff. And so you kind of become a little paranoid. And um, so when I stumbled across Samson, all of a sudden I started listening to these podcasts of Nate and Aaron talking to these guys and I couldn't believe just the level of openness on, you know, I mean, it might as well have been on the radio. It's like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe they're having open conversations about porn and masturbation and sex. It's like, it blew my mind, you know? And I, I just kept getting deeper and deeper and listening to more. And I listened to one and it was fantastic. So I listened to a couple more and they were awesome. So I listened to three or four more. I must have listened to probably 50 or 75 of them before I finally realized it's time to just bite the bullet and, you know, take the next step and do a newcomer meeting and actually jump in with both feet. But, you know, like you said, Ben, in the first meeting, I just barely shared, you know, I mean, it's like, I was so nervous. I'm like, I'm not going to admit anything. <laughs> you know, I'm just going to sit here. This is way, way outside my comfort zone. I, I'm just way informed foreign territory. And so I think I did that for probably the first couple of weeks. I, I didn't share much. And if I did share, it was really high level surface stuff. You know, I wasn't sharing anything about how I felt what I thought, any any real personal stuff. But I was amazed at the level of openness and vulnerability of the guys around me. And that drew me in to where I wanted to be open and I wanted to be vulnerable and I wanted to share. And uh, I think that over time, I really got to the point where being known 
and that desire to be known is just overwhelming. You know, it's like you want to share and, and getting a stylist was a big part of that too. You know, having a stylist that was really interested in me, wanted to know me, telling him about things that I had never shared with anybody before in my life, you know, that was all really kind of revolutionary too for me. But the whole desire to be open really, really uh, was transformational in my life. And it really has permeated not just from Samson, but into my marriage. And that's one thing that I'm so thankful for is my wife and I have a much more open marriage today than we've had in the entire 24 years that we've been married. We have awesome conversations today about things that we never ever would have even dreamed of talking about before. But the the fact that we can and we can sit down and we can have those conversations in an open, honest, and authentic way and know that we're not going to offend each other, but it's something that we really need to talk about. You know, it really has transformed our marriage over the last year and a half. And uh, I have a lot to think about, Samson, for that. And I am surrounded by guys that I can have open and honest conversations with. And that was absolutely not part of my life. And so I'm very thankful for that too. Openness has kind of become, you know, my new drug of choice. You know, it's, I, I really have a desire to be open with the people around me. And uh, I, I have a hard time um, being in kind of surface plastic situations. It's, uh, it's, you can immediately tell the difference and it's really challenging for me to be in situations where you can't be open and authentic. So anyway, thanks guys. I'm Mike. Thanks Mike. Thanks Mike. The formal part of our meeting is now coming to a close. And I think that's it. Now we are ready to sail for the horn. And we are back on the Pirate Monk podcast. And I've asked three guys to join the conversation this week to tell us about a weekend that just happened. I got an email. I think I, I think I opened my computer to an email on Monday from a Mike Moore recounting what had just gone down. And I hadn't gotten prior notification that this was going to happen. But Mike wrote to tell me that he and some other guys, most of them virtual guys, had gotten together in Dallas and had had a retreat uh, that just sounded to me so great that I, I wanted other guys to hear about it. So uh, Mike is joining us today and Patrick and Sean. Hi, guys. Hey, Nate. Uh, so uh, Mike, how many guys, by the way, were at this retreat? So we started out with 11. Um, we had a little medical issue with one of the guys and he had to bug out on Saturday midday, but we had 10 guys for the whole weekend. Wow. Oh, that is such a good number. That yeah, was perfect. <laughs> yes, oh, it really is. Okay. And you held it in, where, where did you hold it? Um, in old Dallas, we uh, rented an Airbnb. We just rented a house that was big enough to sleep all 10 of us or 11 of us and uh, did it in this house. It was awesome. Okay. All right. Uh, 
so how long was the uh, planning process for this thing from the germ of an idea to like pulling it off? Pat, Patrick, <laughs> so, you know, or? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we started talking about it, gosh, I don't know, January, February, maybe. Okay. Uh, we really started seriously planning probably logistics of how we're going to do it and when in what, March, maybe? It was probably March. Yeah, I think and then, uh, I started looking at houses. Um, yeah, I think we finally made a selection on the house in April because I was concerned that if we waited too long for summer to come upon us, we weren't going to be able to find anything in the middle of the summer. Right, right. Okay, so about a five-month planning process, prep process. Okay, and, and it's not like you guys are uh, all live in the same town, right? Uh, Sean and I are close. Mike is halfway across the country. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. Patrick, Patrick and I live in the same, in the Metroplex. So we're, you know, a couple cities across in the giant city of Dallas. But yeah, Mike had to, Mike was gracious enough to come fly in on that weekend. Okay. From Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. And, uh, and how about the other guys? Where did they come from? Uh, pretty much everybody is from the central Texas area. Um, oh, really? Austin, oh, nice. Yeah, in Dallas. Yeah. We had one guy fly in from Mississippi, um, yes. and then I flew in from Florida, but everybody else is in central Texas. Okay. Wow. Okay, so it was almost like a, a, a mini regional retreat. There's a, there's a decent chance that these guys are going to be able, uh, most of these guys are going to be able to see each other in the weeks and months ahead because – it's somewhere in geographical uh, it's, proximity. It's a date. Um, oh, that's true. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the guy from Houston had about a four and a half hour drive to get here. Uh, the guys from Austin probably three three and a half hours. So okay. it's not easy. Um, but there are well now five of us in the Dallas area uh, that are getting together for lunch once a month. Uh, really? Oh, great. And, uh, and we were all there and okay. uh, say Mike was gracious enough to fly in. And then the gentleman from Mississippi, um, I am his Silas and we have never met before last weekend. Oh, wow. We've been talking for about 14 months, I think. Uh, but we never met until last weekend when I picked him up at the airport. And what was that like? It was great. It was like being in Tennessee last fall and seeing all these guys that and I know like brothers and, you know, they all come piling out of the van yeah, yeah. to Tennessee, a whole bunch of people, you know, caravaned in from the airport. And yeah, I was there and going, oh my gosh, they're actually here, you know, 20 people that I know, but I've never met. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. All right, so uh, somebody found the house. You rented the house. Uh, how did you do meals? Let's just talk. Let's just talk. <laughs> uh, it's extraordinary. Logistics yeah, was my territory. Um, oh, Patrick handled the food. Okay. And, well, I didn't handle it all by myself. But, um, you know, so I, I want to separate what I thought was a really good idea and was important from what I decided to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, because when we talked about it, it's like, okay, we want to save time. So cooking at the house meant, you know, we didn't have to go anywhere. We weren't at the mercy of a waiting line at a restaurant or anything like that. We had right. control. Um, and 
and the other thing was just saving money mm -hmm. um, because you can cook cheaper than you can cater or order out and stuff like that. Right. So um, that was one of the reasons why it's kind of like, okay, let's just assume that we're going to be cooking. And, uh, you know, for me, cooking is self-care. Okay. I cooking. Yeah. So I took the challenge to feed guys really well, um, you know, and enjoy it along the way. And so we ate, I think, very well. Um, and when Amazing I added well. it up and did the math, we ate really well for $6.33 per person per meal. We uh, ate like king. I mean, man. unbelievable. We yeah. Really good food. Um, Fantastic. And now, did, did, were other guys uh, deputized to help with kitchen duties or did you? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I, um, again, because this was something I enjoy doing, uh, I took off Thursday and Friday to cook. <laughs> um, and uh, so I had a bunch of stuff prepared ahead of time. That was part of the strategy that we wanted to minimize kitchen time on the weekend. Um, so as much as possible, I prepared things ahead of time. Uh, I was able to use all the toys that I love to use in the kitchen um, and, and express myself that way. And because of that, um, the amount of kitchen time was fairly light when we were on site. And Mike and one other gentleman who's not here with us, um, you know, graciously jumped in and helped in the kitchen uh, a lot. Uh, Mike came in early, and so he came to my house and cooked with me on Friday. Um, but uh, at, on site, there were people who were just helping to get things ready and clean up dishes and stuff like that. So I got it. All right. So you don't, you really don't have to have, this was when I was thinking about this, um, you really don't have to have someone who really, really, really loves to cook in order to pull this off. I mean, we could have done this with frozen pizza and, you know, Stouffer's lasagna from Sam's Club and stuff like that. And that would have still been minimal kitchen time because you can throw it in the oven and walk away. And I really didn't want someone sentenced to KP duty while everyone else was in the other room having a good, good discussion. Um, so that was one of our goals. And I think we did that pretty well. Uh, so. Okay. Well, it sounds like your, your major expenses then were food and lodging. Were there other expenses that went into the budget? And, and, and how much did each guy wind up paying for this weekend? Uh, let's see. We were at $100 a person uh, really? plus food Nice for the weekend. Um, and I was looking around a little bit uh, yesterday on Airbnb while I was making some notes, you know, things that I thought were important to talk about. Um, and you got to be a little bit careful when you're looking at houses on Airbnb, because if it says sleeps 20, uh, that might mean that there are 10 double beds. And depending on how much guys want to crawl in bed with another guy, that might be a problem. <laughs> um, so you got to be careful. Um, I saw some houses out there that, you know, were wonderful, but they were a couple thousand dollars easily for what we tried to do. And I think what our total expense for the house over the weekend Two nights was about $700, wasn't it, Mike? Yeah, just over 700 yeah. Um, and then we spent the rest, most of the rest on food. Uh, and we had a little bit of money left over that we donated to Samson House. Wow, that's, that's amazing. 
I don't know if you guys can hear it, but I'm sitting in the middle of a thunderstorm right now. So excuse it if, I, if there's any distracting background noise. Uh, well, it's raining uh, here too, so it'll fit right in. Okay. Nice and sunny in Dallas. All right. So, so for uh, donated labor and a hundred bucks a guy, you were able to get together for a weekend. And I also noticed uh, when you were saying, when you were talking there, Patrick, that you wanted to minimize time uh, devoted to meals. So you didn't have to trap because you had something you wanted to accomplish during that weekend. What was your goal for the weekend, and uh, you know, how did you approach achieving that goal? Our biggest goal for the weekend was network building or connection building, right? We wanted to develop relationships. That was our primary goal. Most of the guys in the, that attended this weekend, at least half of them, had never met each other before. Now, many of us are virtual. Well, all of us are virtual guys. Most, some of us had seen each other on meetings, but maybe never spent a lot of time together. But um, a number of the guys didn't come, weren't able to come to the retreat last fall, or maybe started Samson since the retreat last fall, so had never really met face to face. So our biggest intention was to kind of develop relationships and strengthen the community of the virtual guys in Dallas, right? So really building that local local um, friendship. So our our primary focus was was that spending time together, and we and like Patrick said, we didn't want to distract from that with household chores and things that would take away from that. So we really built our agenda around that in terms of activities and, and things that we did, and then tried to plan meals and things around that so that we could maximize the time that we were just spending together, whether it was structured activities or just hanging out conversation time. Okay, so you had both. You had structured activities, and then you also had informal, unstructured time yep. uh, figured into the weekend so how how did it go give us uh, give us a, a a glimpse of how the weekend went activity wise well maybe i'll talk through the agenda and then sean and patrick you can give your perspective so um we started out friday with some icebreaker things and some guys are really kind of anti-icebreaker because they're cheesy and stupid and you know whatever but we tried to find things that were pretty um not didn't seem stupid, but helped us to get to know each other, right? So things that guys could relate to. Um, so we did that on Friday before dinner. And then after dinner, we watched the Heart of Man movies um, because that some of us had seen that. We knew that that would be a good conversation topic. So we spent Friday night um, after the movie through some tears talking about how impactful that movie is and what does it mean to you. Um, then Saturday, after we got up and had breakfast, we spent the rest of Saturday morning doing discussion around the movie. So I had downloaded the movie discussion guide. We talked through some of those questions. And to Patrick's point about flexibility, we had planned to break for lunch around 12-ish. I think we finally broke for lunch around 1.30 because we needed to cut off the conversation because they were going so well. So Wow, that's great. Um, and then Saturday afternoon, we paired up. Everybody got a partner. We just basically drew numbers out of a hat, basically. And uh, everybody paired up and went for a walk. And it was, we designated that as story walk time. So you just went walking with another guy and told this guy your story. In many cases, these two guys had never met, didn't know each other. So it was totally from scratch. Let's get to know each other. Um, so we had a significant chunk of time Saturday afternoon to do that and Saturday evening and hang out. Um, we had dinner. 
And then one of the guys that attended the meeting on, uh, or attended the weekend normally hosts a Saturday evening virtual meeting. So we decided we were going to do that virtual meeting from the living room. So we made it into a hybrid meeting. So we had all of us sitting around the living room and we got online and had his virtual, you know, meeting going on. So that was really fun. Oh, fantastic. Great experience. Yeah. So we had, had one guy from New Zealand join the meeting. So we had a very kind of transcontinental meeting between Tex Dallas, Texas and uh, Hamilton, New Zealand. Um, and then uh, we broke and went outside and sat around the campfire. They had a fire pit in the backyard. So we had our meeting after the meeting around a fire pit. So it was fantastic. And then Sunday afternoon or Sunday morning, I think probably the highlight for me was an activity that we did around three chairs. So we all sat in chair or sat in a circle, put three chairs in the middle. Each guy sat in the first chair and told us about himself, right? What are the facts about who he is and his life and his story? Moved to the second chair, told us about what are the lies that he hears in his head? You know, who does he think he is? Who does he believe he is? And what are the voices in his head that tell him who he is? And then moved to the third chair, and his partner from the previous day told him who he really is. And then we all got the opportunity to speak into his life and pray for him. It was really powerful. Holy smokes. Three chairs. Wow. That sounds powerful. And it's something that you couldn't have done with a larger group. You had No, we barely had time to do the ten. We <laughs> sure. we yeah. were We ended up staying late in the house that afternoon to get all ten of us in. So right. yeah, luckily the Airbnb host was gracious enough to give us some extra time to get out of the house because we could have easily spent a whole day on the chairs easily. Sure. Yeah, we ended up going to three from four just because because <clears throat> time got away from us and we just realized that we if we did four we'd be there till Monday morning. <laughs> wow yeah so uh, sean it's good to hear your voice well yeah how how did the weekend unfold for you emotionally oh emotionally wow um it was it unfolded for me uh, in in several different ways the the friday night was the second time i had seen the heart of man and the first time I had seen it, it was more or less really just grasping the, the content of the movie. Uh, the second go around um, was far more emotional for me. Um, there were parts of it uh, where uh, I, my, the, I guess I'll back up my story just a little bit and I don't want to take too much time, but I almost didn't make it to, to the weekend. Um, and that's because um, my wife and I had to have that conversation, that transparent conversation. And it was a very rough July, um, but she agreed to, to let me go. And uh, I couldn't have benefited more from being there. Um, you know, the heart, watching The Heart of Man, the, the couple that does Undone Redone, um, when, when Melody was giving her testimony, um, it was all I could do not to picture my wife's face telling me the same thing that, that Melody did. So for me, emotionally, Friday night had a much larger impact, um, having seen the movie a second time, uh, you know, having that conversation with my wife and um, really listening into the content of, of the movie. I mean, it struck, uh, I, I think I made uh, a reference that it was like a sledgehammer hit me in the heart, um, something I really needed to hear. Uh, and the other impactful thing was, was Sunday morning, were the chairs. Uh, I, I, 
you know, when you start asking somebody to relay how they see themselves, it's an emotional time where you're really kind of stepping outside yourself and saying, how, how do I see me? And how do I, how do I say that message to somebody else? How do I really convey that this is the, the evil that goes on inside my head that makes me do and say great and think crazy things. Uh, so for me, that was uh, those two parts of the, I mean, the weekend had a profound effect on me. I, I would do it again in a heartbeat. Um, but those two emotionally, those two, those two uh, um, specific activities is what got to me emotionally. Wow. Wow. Well, you know, one of the reasons that I wanted to have you guys uh, on the show to talk about your experience with the weekend is I'm hoping to inspire other guys, local groups, as well as virtual meetings uh, to, uh, to think about getting together face to face for some extended time. Uh, Patrick, uh, is there anything uh, off the top of your head, uh, any pieces of advice, practical or philosophical, theoretical, that you would pass along to some guys who are now starting to maybe entertain the idea of, of putting together a, a regional retreat of their own? Um, I think the first thing I tell them is that you can do this. Um, mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to be, you know, super organizer or anything like that. Um, uh, I said from the food standpoint, we could have done this with much cheaper and easier food than what I chose to do. Um, so you don't have to have somebody that loves to cook. Um, you have to find a place. I think for us, the house was the perfect setting um, because you've got some privacy everybody's going to be there. They're not, you know, coming in and going home and getting distracted and things like that. Um, you know, Mike was wise enough to ask people to put their phones away for the weekend as much as possible. Ah, there you go. There's a practical um, uh, uh, directive. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's a little bit daunting, I think. It's like, gee, what am I, you know, going to do with 10 guys for a weekend? Um, and I know... Mike and Sean have talked a little bit about putting together, I didn't want to steal your thunder, kind of the toolkit. Yeah. Um, you know, some of our notes of, okay, this is how we did this. You know, this is what made this work. Um, you know, I think for us, you know, 10 to 12 guys was a great size. It's hard to find a house that can do well with more than that. Sure. Um, I went looking on Airbnb and, they get really expensive when you get to houses that can host 16 people uh, with right. places to sleep, things like that. Um, and, um, but I mean, part of it for us was we don't know what we're doing. So, you know, 10 is a good place to start. Uh, everybody will hopefully give us grace if we plan badly and, uh, you know, recovering for, for 10 people is not that hard. Recovering for 50 is a whole different matter. <laughs> um, so, um, and, you know, I mean, we reached out a little bit farther. Um, you know, as I said, one of my Silees flew in for this. Uh, that was not part of the original plan. Um, but when I started telling him what we were planning, he's like, I would love to be there. You know, can I come even though I don't live in Texas? Absolutely, you can come even if you don't live in Texas. You know, we might throw a cowboy hat on you or something like that, but you know, it's okay. <laughs> uh, sneak you in at the airport. Um, so 
I think for a lot of people, it'd be, it's like, gee, I can't organize that. And I think especially if we kind of get the toolkit pulled together, it's like, yeah, you can organize this. It doesn't have to be big and fancy. You can do this. Yeah, we, I'm sorry, Nate, we, you know, when we were sitting outside, we, we had talked about the importance of the house. Um, you know, when you're talking about getting 10 guys together and, and talking about really some deep feelings and thoughts, you know, we, we all said that, that having this in a hotel or a conference room doesn't invite really uh, sensitivity. It doesn't invite comfort. It, it's more classroom oriented and people are less likely to really kind of unzip themselves and, and let themselves down, you know, be vulnerable in that kind of situation. And so it was really important for us to have a place where we could feel, everyone could feel comfortable. They, you know, you could sit on your big comfy leather sofa and sit and just be vulnerable. So, it, you know, the, really, I think the critical part for me when you plan this is you've got to find a place where the people are going to be comfortable. People are going to want to be uh, vulnerable. And, you know, while conference rooms and, and hotels and things like that provide that space, uh, they don't provide the, the air of vulnerability. It's very almost operating room sterile and nobody wants to talk in that environment because you're waiting. As Patrick says, somebody's got to go first and nobody wants to go first in that environment. Right, right. Oh, so what I'm hearing then is step one, find the right place. Step two, convince Patrick to come and do the cooking. <laughs> <laughs> find somebody who likes to cook. Find someone that's competent. And I will point out that I posted the recipes for everything I made on the Slack channel for the weekend. So no one can say they need me to cook that stuff. All right, all right. Well, uh, will those recipes be included in this toolkit I'm hearing about? You probably can do that. We, we um, could do None of them are um, Patrick, you'll have to make your dessert. You'll have to make your dessert for uh, for Eva. I, I don't. See, I I can. Uh, I've learned how to cook for ten. I don't know about cooking for a hundred. Yeah. Okay. Okay. How hard that can be? Just it's a factor of ten. That's all. You know, factor ten the ladies everything. might not want me in their kitchen. Yeah. 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 Mike, what's your vision for this uh, toolkit thing? Yeah. So our whole idea with the toolkit, Nate, as you were saying, is we want to make this easily accessible for everybody, right? right? We want this to be a repeatable experience, not to be a cookie cutter, but to give to put it in the hands of anybody that's interested. So. Um, our idea is putting together a toolkit that kind of walks you through step by step. Here's how you do this. Here's some suggestions. Here's some ideas. So you're not starting from scratch and just really provide some guidance along the way of things that we considered. What did we talk about? What were we planning? And how far ahead of time do you need to be thinking about it? Right. So like you asked earlier, how far ahead did we start? We really did start having conversations five to six months ahead. And I think depending on the time of the year that you're trying to plan for, that's probably, I, I wouldn't suggest going any less than that because um, to try and find an ideal a rental property, if that's what you're going to use as your venue, uh, rental properties tend to book up quickly, especially at some, some specific times of year. Right. So our idea with the toolkit is really just trying to provide some guidance around here's the things that we use, here's the resources, here's some suggestions, and try and make it as easy as possible for other guys to recreate this experience because it was fantastic. And I would love to see everybody have an opportunity to participate in something like this. So I think one thing I'd add to that, it's like, well, Mike, now that we know what we're doing, <laughs> now that we've got one under our belt and we're experts, um, 
you know, aside from renting the house, which is kind of a long lead time item, I think the planning for the rest of it, you know, what, a month or two? You think we could? Yeah. Yeah, the rest didn't take a lot of time. It was just trying to get the Airbnb secured that was the long lead time item. Yes. So I think when we talk about, you know, potentially starting four to five months out, that is not four to five months of spending, you know, five hours a week working on this. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't that, think we spent four to five hours a week any time during no. the planning process. <laughs> no. Now, you did confer uh, on the run-up to the retreat. You used Zoom, right? Got together just to talk yeah. things through and make your plans that way? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Well, fellas, thank you so much for uh, doing a little vision casting for us today. I really look forward to seeing that toolkit and making it available to the wider Samson community. Uh, and uh, maybe we can talk about this more at the big retreat in Eva, Tennessee, first weekend in November. That'd be great. I all think right. we're all going to be there. All right. Fantastic. Yeah, actually, that this weekend, this weekend inspired me to talk to my wife about coming to Eva. And okay. I, I sent her the email and I talked to her the other night and I said, I sent you an email. See, I saw it. And I said, <laughs> and, I, and I wasn't going to push her. I said, I, she goes, yeah, I saw it. And I said, uh, any thoughts? She goes, go. And I oh, said, wow. okay. And so I texted Mike and I said, are you ready to dance? Because Mike, <laughs> Mike told me he was going to do a happy dance. And I said, happy him. dance. Yeah. <laughs> so I texted because Mike's my Silas. Oh, okay. And I, uh, I talked, I texted Mike and I said, are you ready to dance? And he said, did she say yes? And I said, let's dance. So um, she, uh, this will be my first retreat in Tennessee. Yeah. Oh, you're going to love it. It's going to be a great time. Well, fellas, thank you so much. Uh, listeners, stay with us. We'll be back for some closing thoughts here on the Pirate Monk Podcast. podcast sorry that i missed out on being live with those conversations yeah yeah well, uh, we missed you um and your your uh, disruptive line of questioning i'm sure you would have pried some nuggets out of those conversations that i didn't get to but that's all right nugget prior yeah that's great uh so
we got a couple things. One, how are signups going for November? Oh, man, we're way ahead of registrations for last year. Uh, so it looks like we're going to have a pretty full house at the big Samson Society annual retreat in Eva, Tennessee, November 2 through 4. November 2nd through the 4th. That's right. And uh, we're trying to get people to do some ride sharing. Is there a central place that they can connect with each other? Um, I, th I think maybe on Slack there is. Okay. So. Uh, also, uh, there is right there on the sign on the on the when you go to sign up. If you're flying into Nashville, mm -hmm. you can send an email. There's a link that you can click to let us yeah. know when you show up, and we will pick you up. Also, the special deal: if you live outside the contiguous 48 states, you can come for free. Just let us know when you're going to arrive uh, at Nashville. Get your ass to Nashville, and we'll get you to the report uh, to the retreat. G-Y-A-T-N. That's right. Get yo ass to Nashville. <laughs> uh, it's too hard to process quickly. Uh, so please let us know as soon as you can about the flight information. Right. I know last year we were trying to navigate a lot of people coming at a lot of different times. So right. yeah. that's helpful to us. Uh, still room for you. And where do they go to get to that information and sign up? The there's a big banner right on the main page at SampsonSociety.net or .com or .org, the Samson Society main site, and that will take you to the sign up place. And you can you can sign up with a small deposit. You know, so I think twenty five bucks will get you in the door, and and then you just pay the rest within I think two weeks of the retreat. Yes, and uh, the price varies on uh what level of luxury you want in your sleeping accommodations i'm afraid that all the single rooms are already taken semi private rooms i think may be taken as well i'm trying to figure out a way to open up some more uh but there are kind of two levels of bunk rooms mm -hmm. some that are pretty posh in the uh what are called the lodges and then there are the old you know like back in the day youth camp cabin and remember, there's also uh, levels of earplugs that you can bring. There are, in those yes. rooms. So, <laughs> so don't forget those. Good. In fact, maybe we should make sure to bring like We will. I will, bring, I will bring an industrial drum of earplugs to so the good. retreat. I remember when we planted uh, Vintage North, uh -huh. uh, you know, I'd spent years at a church where certain folks would complain about volume level. Like you can yeah, never yeah. make everyone happy. Yeah. So we just, right next to the doors, came in, had a big bowl of earplugs <laughs> that said, be responsible for your own level of pleasure with <laughs> decibel levels. <laughs> Nobody complained. There you go. And I'd watch people each week go up, take their two earplugs, go inside. <laughs> it was perfect. <laughs> so anyways, uh, we also want to hear from you. We'd love to hear questions and thoughts and uh and, yeah, we just got an email the other day that I don't think we have uh, addressed. So we, we love to, to get those. So you can send your thoughts and questions to piratemonkpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, and, and some of them might be more private, and that's okay. We will definitely uh, read those on air. <laughs> we won't read those on air. It, uh, but if you have something that you think would be beneficial just as a discussion, go ahead and send that in as well. Right. This is your show as much as it's anybody else's because we don't know what we're doing. 
<laughs> oh, true. Truer words were never spoken, Eric. All right. Well, it's been a great time. It's, it's so good to see your smiling face again. We're, we're going to back. We're going to kick it now for the next 12 months. It's going to be awesome. All right. Until next time, I'm Nate. I'm Fred. Okay. And we're your pals on the Pirate Monk Podcast. All right. Yeah.